And sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Championship manager, football manager, tracksuit manager, player manager, premier manager, FIFA manager, global soccer manager, total club manager, LMA manager 2007, ultimate soccer manager, Graham Sunes' soccer manager, Kenny Dalglish's soccer manager, Alex Ferguson's player manager 2002, Kevin Keegan's player manager and total soccer manager. Why do we all want to be virtual football managers and who the hell thought that Chris Kamara's street soccer would be a good idea? It's time for some answers. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Joining me for this episode is player one, and that's Dan Barnes of Stratford. Uh, hi, Hello. Dan. You, uh, you're back after joining us for episode four, all the way back when. Uh, presumably, you've been working on the cast of Jamie, Mo- Jamie Vardy the movie ever since. Absolutely, and I think uh, I can't wait for Jamie Vardy the movie, the computer game. <laughs> well, by, by extension, that clearly has to happen. The sort of the from Jamie Vardy's perspective computer game, where you're just him. Alongside you, in a virtual sense, we have player two, which is Carl Anker of Southampton. Uh, hi, Carl. Welcome to your debut on the Football Clichés podcast. Hello. Um, because I'm player two, does that mean I have to use the rubbish controller? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, you're on the, you're on the rubbish microphone. Um, <laughs> Before we start, I should point out that you can enjoy The Athletic for free for 90 days. That's enough time to listen to 1987's hit single It's Goodbye by Glenn Hoddle and Chris Waddle more than 33,000 times by going to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Now, guys, we have we have so much to cover in, in the genre of football computer games today, and I, I want to start where we should always start, which is the obscure niche material. Uh, and as I suggested in the intro, um, um, the story or non-story behind Chris Kamara's street soccer is, is a really fascinating one because on the face of it, I, uh, Dan, I, I can't understand why Chris Kamara around the year 2000 or something like that would have been the face of a computer game. Um, would you would you have bought Chris Kamara Street Soccer? What what would on earth would have enticed you to buy that? Maybe if it had a golden signature of Chris Kamara on the front of the box, which I assume <laughs> was a, a PlayStation One box, perhaps. Um, yeah. He's not, a, you know. Obviously, this is years before maybe your FIFA Street or other Street Soccer things, and I assume mm. this is also pre uh, Wayne Rooney Street Striker. Um, yeah. But Chris Kamara isn't really the name that jumps out of you when you think Street Soccer. Um, I mean, I know mm. he had a. Yeah, I know he had, a, he had a great career and things like that, but uh, whether whether he was what you would call the archetypal street footballer, <laughs> and you know if he was the archetypal uh, sort of lead lead character that you uh, that you want for uh, for a football game, I mean you've got your your Mario, your Sonic, and then I'm not sure Chris Kamara stands for the next one. <laughs> no, he's, he's clearly not the the natural progression there. But the, the story is apparently that the owner of Midas Interactive, the company who who developed the game, happened to be a massive Sheffield United fan, and Kamara was then playing for them. And he didn't play for them for very long, so we're not even talking about a particularly definitive part of his career. And uh, Kamara turned out to be this guy's hero, so he asked Kamara to put his name to the game. 
and that's it. That's the only connection Kamara has to the game. He, he doesn't he doesn't feature in it, as far as I can see. He, there's no sort of motion capturing of Chris Kamara, which seems like a real waste of motion capturing technology, Carl. <laughs> um, I mean, there are, there are so many more examples of very obscure associations. Can I shock you for a bit? Yeah, go for it. I've played this game. All right. So all right. Um, there are some liner notes from Chris Kamara, um, but from <laughs> like what you said, forward in a book. Yep, but from what you said, I, I don't know if he, he wrote them. But this game is notable because it's, I think I'm correct in saying it's one of the first football games that have uh, women footballs. Really? Yeah, yeah. So you can... Uh, I remember the liner notes because there's a segment in there going, you can pick some of your best footballers, in, mm. in including women footballers. Uh, and mm. in brackets, it's girls can play football too. So uh, oh, niche wow. game, but also quite progressive. Oh, that's nice. But I feel like it's, it sums up what is quite clearly a very, very crowded industry and, and has been over the, sort of the last 20 years. I mean, alongside Chris Kamara Street Soccer, there was also Sean Dundee's World Club Football, which was a, essentially a rebranded version of, of a game called Puma Football 98, Carl. And it was it was rebranded for a German audience, so they so they took a they took the name of, of Sean Dundee, who was scoring a few goals in the Bundesliga back then, sort of ninety seven ninety eight. And he he went on to play for Liverpool, made about three appearances for them, and he, he got one cap for Germany B. Uh, I, I'm just trying to understand. Can you put your can you put yourself in a kind of marketing man's position here <laughs> and say, right, Sean Dundee is the man we need to take this game forward in the German market? Um, can you can you? Come up with some sort of explanation about why these obscure players have uh, have become associated with these games, and surely there's some sort of cult status going on here. Oh yeah, and it's also um, so. In a previous life, I was a video game journalist or computer mm. game journalist, however you call it, and a lot of this was just in the early nineties. It was just the the new thing. You were a football player. You had some form of image rights, and someone would you be open to turn up in a game? Um, yeah, uh, and. Uh, I'm in the workings of of doing something for the athletic, on a similar vibe. And a lot of these players, obviously, of a certain age, just didn't know quite what computer games were. They were just basically getting yeah. a conversation with someone, going, "Hello, I'll give you X amount of money if you let me use this photograph of you on something in a different market or some whatever. You don't have to do anything." And obviously, the player says yes. So why not? I think I know what you're talking about when you're talking about your athletic idea, and we're definitely going to come onto that without spoiling it later on. Um, Dan, another kind of niche corner of, of, of football computer games um, is a game called Red Card 2003, which appears to be a kind of a celebration of the dark arts. It positively encouraged foul play. You were actually rewarded for fouling and, and, and diving and various transgressions. Um, have you ever heard of this game? Because uh, uh, quite a lot of people on Twitter seem to kind of suggest it as a kind of an alternative choice. I've never heard of it or seen it. No, I have. I have. I mean, I think... Um... I think it, but I, I, unfortunately, I never actually had it myself. Um, I, I, I think it sort of got kind of a special place in sort of football canon because I think whenever you played, one of the funs of most sort of football simulation games was, particularly when you were younger, you know, you're losing a game three or four nil and you start to get a bit annoyed. So you try and get as many players sent off as possible. Yeah, it's a really satisfying thing to do. Yeah, it's quite a common trope, isn't it? Trying to get a game abandoned yeah. if someone's beaten you. Whereas obviously in, this was the game where you got to sort of take out that frustration. Um, but that was the point of the game. Um, I know mm. that you had, um, I think you, you sort of had a sort of a, a power meter that filled up for sort of the amount of bad <laughs> tackles that you would yeah. do. Um, oh my God. And I think there was sort of, um, I think there were some likenesses of real life players in there as well. So you really yeah. could sort of, you know, what would happen if Emil Heskey had the greatest red mist of all time? Um, so I think, uh, but yeah, I think it's sort of got kind of a special place in sort of that, that niche. And I'm actually su- kind of surprised that there's never been an sort of an updated version. 
Carl, you've definitely played Red Card 2003, haven't you? Oh yeah, it was great. I picked up for <laughs> maybe like I picked up for about a tenner from uh, yeah. what was then Electronics Boutique and is now Game. Oh my god, um, Electronics Boutique. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I picked up from Electronics Boutique in Stratford. Yeah, uh, it, like second hand. And to answer your question, what would Emma Husky do if he had the red mist? He was great. The England side in that game, it was around the, about the 2001 era. So it's the England kit with the you know the single red vertical vertical line, yeah. vertical line yeah. going on the kit. Um, and yeah, not only would so you'd get there was a power up bar and it was in three sections and you get it improve if you did good passes, if you had good shots, or if you you know just brutalized the opposition. And when it got high enough, you could have a special move. Uh, and the special moves were very often one you could pretty much like debilitate someone if you went in for a tackle, or you could have like just ultra shots where you know you get on on board. Emil Heskey's forty five yards out. You hit the triggers, press shoot, and Heskey would unleash a shot that was so powerful that it didn't matter what the goalkeeper would do because it would sh- put the goalkeeper through the goal. This um, sounds like basically Emil Heskey's it's just Emil Heskey's unofficial endorsement game. Oh, me. it was amazing. But MSK not was that he's particularly cover. known as a as a kind of unpleasant footballer. It all seems a bit strange. But it had a world n- tour mode where you'd take on each con- uh, nations from each continent, and if you like completed Oceania, you'd play against a team of dolphins. If you completed North America, <laughs> you'd get you'd have to play against a team uh, like a SWAT team, um, oh, and so bollocks. forth. It was no, utterly bizarre. Um, but one thing about this game, and, and I've, I've always been sort of fascinated by the, the slightly unusual combinations of commentators you get on, on certain football games, which, which is essentially boils down to who can we get to do this. And um, there, there have been some lovely sort of fantasy combinations. You've, you've sort of John Motson and Andy Gray were on the FIFA games in, in the late 90s. And that, that, was, that was obviously, a, you know, a kind of dream team style situation. But um, on Red Card 2003, the, the commentary duo was Simon Brotherton and Chris Kamara. <laughs> Which I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that either of them are not good at their respective jobs. It, it just feels like they may have had to go down quite a long list of people to get that combination together. Um, they're, they're not particularly known as a, as a dream duo, um, but but yeah, obviously Simon Brotherton is the most commentator name you can possibly think of at any one time. So uh, on that side, on that sense, I'm I'm quite comforted. Um, moving on, I we we, sh- we shouldn't ignore um, the niche area of the market, which is online sort of simple online football games for bored office workers. And um, I think the general consensus, Dan, is that the, the ultimate example of this is, is Robbie Baggio's Magical Kicks. Have you ever played this? I haven't, but I've definitely heard, I've, I've oh heard a lot God. about it, unfortunately. I know, I know. And I think Weren't you bored enough in your job? I mean, given given the reaction, I think, um, you, you know, I think you pretty much uh, shown just how <laughs> sort of, what cultural sort of uh, big oh, it is. sort of t- cornerstone that kind of thing is, though. I mean, there are other, other sort of games where, you know, you just... Um, uh, well, you, well, you know, the, the aim of the game is just to sort of complete a set piece, really. Um, exactly. I think it basically reminds me a little bit of, I think what I was probably, the reason I didn't play Roberto Baggio's Magical Kicks, I was probably too busy playing New Star Soccer. I don't know if any of you have ever played <laughs> Ah, that. you see, yeah, but yeah, I only heard about this, but I never got uh, it. <laughs> basically, basically a mobile game where, right. like a football manager, a championship manager, your player was just a sort of sphere, um, and, you, and the game, it would sort of play a game situation, and then everything would stop. Um, so you're in a say a shooting position or something like that, and then you would basically just take your shot by dragging the finger back on the phone with a little arrow. You know, that's as simple as it sounds. One of the most addictive games ever, where you would end up playing for Lincoln and scoring 73 goals in League Two. Um, so I think that's probably the reason why I didn't get a chance to <sighs> my chance to be Bobby Badger. <laughs> Carl, here's a little um, here's a little quiz for you. Um, which Premier League manager? 
around the 2000s had a lent his name to a football manager game on the Game Boy Color in which there was an unfortunate bug in the game that allowed you to, um, any time the club went into debt, uh, you would simply be given about 70 million to get you back out of it, which negated the need for any financial planning whatsoever. <laughs> um, Premier League manager, financial debt. Is that is that you, David O'Leary? <laughs> it is. It's David O'Leary, football manager for the Game Boy <laughs> Colour. Um, just though all those combination of words that I've just said all sound absolutely magnificent. Um, thanks to Dave Hartrick for sending this in to, to the podcast as a suggestion for some of the more kind of, um, well, let's say unorthodox combinations of both name and game format. Uh, I also offer you, uh, this is from Tom Christmas, which is a lovely name, um, Ali McCoist's director of football, Dan. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, which, which it just seems like how have those two things collided uh, in in any way to, to to reach a you know quite established market um but the, the slightly problematic thing about this was and this was about 2001-2 i think at the end of each in-game season your club was presented with a tax bill but you could then decide to um only pay a fraction of it and evade the rest and, uh, and, and the, the option literally said, do you wish to adopt this tax evasion? Which which in a Rangers context is, is rather uh, foreboding, I sense. Um, a little oh spicy, shall we say? You just it is a little bit one, spicy. How did, how did Ali McCoy's lawyers allow that to happen? Um, well, he's, it's just, he doesn't feature in the game, as with all these slightly absurd <laughs> um, um, associations. He doesn't, of course, he doesn't actually appear in the game in any meaningful way, and uh, which makes you wonder what on earth the value is. I mean, I guess this was probably at the peak of his question of sport fame, so maybe that cashed in on that. Maybe, but it's just that it's the, it's the nuanced nature of what a director of football does as well. You know, we know <laughs> that we we know through football that despite it being a sort of more of a well-known term nowadays, it can mean any different levels of involvement and it's were there, you know were there, were there mini games where you know the team is losing and the camp the tv cameras are focused on you in the stands and you have to what press hammer the a button to you know look serious and or no, shake your head like what, no it's really you... spreadsheety and uh, i've been watched it on youtube i after about two minutes i thought i cannot imagine how anyone would ever have played this game it's it, just really kind of tedious kind of approximation of a general operation of a football club getting you to perform duties that really aren't kind of the remit of a director of football or or pretty much anyone downwards from that role so it's maybe a really uh, odd situation maybe ed woodward at manchester united played this too much as a child and it scarred him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. or maybe inspired him to become what he, what he has become um here's a little bit of a retro option but this was suggested by mike bailey and, and simon tires as well they both sent in brian clough's football fortunes which i remember playing with my brother we had it on the amstrad cpc 464 and it was both a computer game and a board game and you had to keep track of your own squad using special cards Ooh. and sort of and sort of money as well like physical money uh, but a rather odd concept was that um, when you actually came to rolling the dice, you had to do it on the game and not an actual actual dice. So it all seems very <laughs> confused. Uh, Carl, Carl, does the idea of a sort of computer and board game hybrid appeal to you in any way, even in lockdown? Yeah. Uh, I mean, wow. FIFA Ultimate Team is just sticker cards with incentivized gambling involved in it. So <laughs> I think there's a, there's definitely a space if you made an app involving some form of Monopoly board and football. I'd, I'd be down for that. I didn't think of it as the forerunner to FIFA Ultimate Team. Not that I know anything about FIFA Ultimate Team. Uh, I hope that a lot, a lot of other people share my experience. Their, their limited experience of, of FIFA Ultimate Team is simply Googling a player 
and that coming up as one of the autocomplete options. I think it comes up as Foothead. And for years, yes. I was like, what the hell is Foothead? And I feel so stupid and so old. And now I understand what it is. The issue on FIFA Ultimate Team, I find, is I don't actually play it myself, but I find that a certain player's name is trending on Twitter, and I think, oh my goodness, what's Diego Costa done? Has he, has he, you know, has he headbutted someone? Has he, has he bitten, um, has he bitten his manager's nose off? And then I find out that he's just the, you know, the overpriced card of the week or something like that in FIFA Ultimate Team, and it's all very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just it's just a, a level of culture that I, I simply don't have the time to penetrate anymore, and. Um... But yeah, but good luck to those who do. Um, football manager or championship manager, used, as it used to be known. Now, we, we could talk for hours about this, but but I, but Carl, I, I'd like you to kind of encapsulate briefly what the appeal, what the enduring appeal of, of, of management simulations have, has been. Because uh, I'll, I'll read you this, this very, very exceptional tweet that, came about two years ago um, it said apparently there is a game where you pretend to be a football manager and you don't play or anything you just look at emails and spreadsheets this is work is this what boys like working um, please explain <laughs> the appeal to people who either have always loved them or cannot stand them management simulations I love that tweet and two years later I still don't have a good reply no. <laughs> so uh, the, I mean when, the, when I first discovered what was then Championship Manager, so it was 01, 02. Yes. Uh, the first thing that really struck me was that it was a world where I wasn't the protagonist. So obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you, you play Mario and nothing gets done if Mario doesn't move forward. Or you play Sonic right. and similar, same thing with Tomb Raider and whatnot. Whereas Championship Manager, Football Manager, whatnot, you can fail and lose and the game will just keep on ticking. There have been times where you're massively unemployed or, you know, you've been you decide to take a break from a game or go on holiday and the, and the game will just keep going. And it's that idea of there's there's just a world out there that can work and be completely independent of what you do. And yeah, you can push things a little way or that way, but the fact that Fortnite just keeps going without you, I found incredibly engrossing in a way that I should probably discuss with a trained healthcare professional. <laughs> um, the, the thing about... So the current Fortnite Manager games, can when you go in and you press play, on a, on a game the ai is responding to your decisions every 15th of a second so wow. you know i'm not one really for tactics when i play full manager i'm just very much you know give it to the big lad and do heavy pressing which means eventually i get figured out aka you know what alan pardew does in real life nice <laughs> nice uh, and i think that's the appeal the fact that this is a game that not only can work independent of you but it's also challenging you constantly and going all right we figured out your tactic now what you're going to do now what you're going to do it it's uh it's one of the most rewarding things i've ever played in my life quite quite a surreal scenario you suggested in there somewhere which was the idea that you could suddenly become unemployed in the game and yet the game would continue essentially without you um I, I mean that that seems like a very 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 unusual set of circumstances for you to be able to tolerate in a in, in a computer game dan I, I put it to you that there are there are kind of two broad players of, of football manager. Someone who really takes it properly seriously and, and is happy to start right at the bottom and, and really go for it and do it the do it the traditional way, or or someone who just who wants to use it in an arcadey kind of dream come true kind of way and start right at the very top, right at the very start, and just and just in, immerse themselves in lovely big names and the idea of managing a massive football club. But between which of those stools do you fall? Um. 
definitely arcadey one, I think. <laughs> I've, tr- I've, tr- I've tried being Macclesfield Town Manager for a few seasons, and it just, you know, and this is going back to maybe, I don't know, Championship Manager 4 or so really back in the day. And mm. yeah, I lost interest very quickly because everyone, you know, I guess it's the gratification of, I guess, I like to win. Um, yes. But... There are lots of ways. I mean, obviously, lots of ways to play it. Um, my most favourite thing is to sort of be a championship club. So it's not quite going straight to the top, but it's close enough, you know. And if I don't get promoted in my first season, I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, but, you know, I think it's all about um, creating some sort of crazy game situations. And I also just like to have fun with my football manager. You know, if someone doesn't take accept a bid for me, um, I like to just pepper them with derisory bids of a pound or two pounds <laughs> for the, you know, for the, for the preceding few months. Has, but has that has that combination of both wanting to win and not taking it incredibly seriously ever led you to cheat? Are you a cheater? Uh, in football games, stick to the script. No, yes, I yes yes I am. Yes, good, I am. I mean, good. me too. I, I think I, I think anyone you know you could you can play football manager as uh, and, and sort of you can be you can be uh, you know you you can be honest and pure if you want because at the end of the day you can have the best players and the best tactics and you know be in good form and some like real football sometimes the game doesn't go your way I, I, the whole you know, point I would... of it is it's fantasy you're supposed to be able to do what you like if you want to hack exactly. into the game which is essentially what I think cheating is and, and muck around with its very <laughs> fibres then that's absolutely fine Carl this absolutely. is okay isn't it cheating at Championship Manager um, I'll, I'll tell you my preferred cheat method I will start a game every now and again and transfer some of the you know, the best players in the world, Messi, Ronaldo, a couple of heavy hitters onto my team right at the start. Yes. But then right. I sell them that transfer window. So I use the money. Oh, it's a nice little caveat it. there. So that's the caveat. That's my sort that's of like... That's all right, is it? Thinking how lift my glasses up and down. It's not real cheating because all I'm using is finances. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, obviously. I have fond memories of um, of the early, I think the very first FIFA which was 93, FIFA International Soccer, and just planting my player in front of the opposition goalkeeper as he was about to boot it out, which in in turn led to a very just simple block of the ball. And then I would just volley it home. And I used to do that. I used to sort of win games at 10, 12 nil. And I, looking back, <laughs> it seems incredibly sad, but it was just I just wanted to take things to an extreme. I just wanted to see what would happen when the scoreboard t- changes to ten. It was just stuff like that. That's 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 a sim- that's a perfectly acceptable way to enjoy a football game, right? Surely, absolutely. That you're not you're not playing you're not cheating there. What you're doing is no. exploiting the meta game. Like if you look yes. at what top level FIFA players are doing, they're not really playing FIFA. They're just playing. They're not playing FIFA as the game. They're playing FIFA as the meta. Oh, this is the control system I need to do to beat this thing. Like if you if you watch a game of top level FIFA 20 players they don't cross the ball whatsoever because crossing is not effective in the new FIFA 20 because it was too effective in FIFA 19 so now mm. they all do something else that's all you're doing just Fair enough. smarter and smaller I suddenly <laughs> feel I suddenly feel a lot better just about saving yeah, yeah. Cup finals and football manager <laughs> and things like that. That, that that's sort of as deep as I got so, so thank you I feel a lot better it's been a nice confessional one aspect of 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 FIFA and also Pro Evo, I guess that, that has always interested me, even even years after I've stopped playing them because I simply don't have the time for this, is has been their choice of cover stars on on the games when they're released every year. Uh, Carl, I know you've thought very deeply about this. Um, I guess there are two questions here. First of all, surely every year this game, the cover of this game, has to sum up the, the zeitgeist, you know, at the very very top of the game. Have they ever really nailed it? Do you think they? Has there ever been a year where they thought that these these 
players or two, three players or two players or player and a referee. These sum up the the real best of the best. Sometimes I just find it a little bit unsatisfactory. I look at it and I just think, is that, is that really football right now? Is that is that <laughs> or is that really the year's best offering? Oh, it just a little bit looks a bit unsatisfying. Uh, I took so FIFA 06 springs to mind as a really good one. Uh, they mm. had Ronaldinho and Wayne Rooney on the front cover, and they're right. a really good advert. Which starts off with Manchester United beating Brazil, uh, beating Barcelona, and Ronaldinho like shrugs off, and then the stadium ticker changes to Man United versus Brazil. So Ronaldinho changes shirt and runs out again. It's like option two, uh, which I thought was quite nice. Uh, I will tell you an anecdote. So I'm, you know, whisper whisper. I'm in the process of trying to write an article on FIFA front covers. Okay. Uh, and I will tell you this story of uh, FIFA 14. So mm. uh, this was the time where Messi was on the front cover and then depending on what region you lived in, you'd get sort of the biggest name in your league would be on the front cover next to Messi. So FIFA 14 comes out, player of the year that year was Gareth Bale. Just finished off that great season for Spurs. Uh, but in the So it gets all announced in June. Gareth Bale going to be in the front cover and it's him and his Spurs kit. In September, he signs for Real Madrid. Right. So FIFA has an option. Oh my god, do we get Gareth Bale in, in his like Real Madrid kit and redo it, or do we like get a brand new footballer in? What they did was, <laughs> what they did was Gareth Bale is in a Real Madrid kit on the front cover of FIFA 14. Look very yeah. closely at his neck. Oh no! Don't ruin it. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> oh god, the inside story of of the cover of FIFA 14. Perhaps at, at the other end of the spectrum when it comes to, to FIFA covers, I mean, we, we're very used to having the, the big stars on there. I think, but also rather unusually, Pierre Luigi Colina was on on the cover of I think it was Pro Evo at some point. Pro Evo three which elevated elevated a referee rather to to rather too high a level of, of notoriety, and as good as he presumably was at his job. Um, but at the, the other end of the spectrum, it, it's it's often got quite obscure for, for reasons that I've never really been able to establish. FIFA 96, or rather one version of FIFA 96, Dan, I think it might have been the, the Sega Spectrum version, featured two very obscure players and two very in a very obscure game. Can you guess or identify anything that's going on on this cover? Um, apart from a very mistimed tackle, not really. It's, very... <laughs> it's a great tackle, isn't it? It's, that it's alone very is very strange thing to have got, on the front we... of the cover. It's just a clear foul. Exactly. We've got one, you know, we've got one team with, with a, a kit with a blue chevron, which you get, yeah. sorry, a blue kit with a sort of a blue shirt with a white chevron, which is again something you don't see too much nowadays. I can see in can the Cuban Lager sponsor. We have a black and white striped shirt with the player of blonde hair on the left, and the sponsor appears to be McEwen's Lager, which I'd say is also probably slightly problematic for a, a football game. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to say it was St. Mirren. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's against, I couldn't tell you the team in the blue, so let's say let's say Cali Thistle. The answer, in fact, is Notts County against Brescia in oh. 1995, I think. And it's the Anglo-Italian Cup final at Wembley. It is. Oh, it is. Oh, that just screams 90s football, doesn't it? And, and yeah. glo- globalism. <laughs> and Just a baffling selection, Carl. Uh, I mean, I'd, the only the only star quality that's going on in this in this photo is the fact that, well, the, the Brescia player Ian Sabau played at Euro 96, which doesn't quite qualify him for FIFA cover stardom. But Andy Legg in the Notts County shirt uh, once held the world record for the longest throw-in. So... Amazing. Maybe after, maybe maybe in a roundabout way, they are superstars. Maybe maybe I'm doing them a slight injustice here. I hope they uh, gave us uh, gave him a high throw in start on the game. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't think he would have even have been in FIFA '96, which seems like a, 
it's like very unfair to have two players in the game who weren't in the actual game. Still, <laughs> as an offshoot of this, Carl, um, you don't have to have played these games a, a great amount to appreciate some of the how can we put this roundabout ways they've come of coming up with player names to kind of <laughs> maybe circumnavigate. And this has become something of a cultural cornerstone of of our enjoyment of football computer games is the slightly odd names that come up when they haven't been able to use the proper names. Um, any any ones that particularly stand out for you? Giggsy in the early Pro Evo games was, was the very obvious one. There's been quite a lot of very fun Ronaldo offshoots, so Redondo, right. uh, mm. Ronaldo with an A. One that says C. Lopez, which is a, a really good one for uh, uh, Roberto Carlos, who mm. you know, that was the great Brazilian left-back. I remember there was one there was one pro evolution soccer game where simply none of the Dutch football players had names. It was just orange one, orange two, orange three, orange four, <laughs> orange five in the national team, and then everywhere else My it was kids. like Van Root, uh, and that was your yeah. that was Van Nistelrooy and whatnot. Uh, it's definitely but, in the pro evolution soccer ones because obviously FIFA would tie up so many of the player likenesses that pro evolution soccer would have to call. Yeah, the reason for this all is all very clear cut. There's you know lots of image rights and, and marketing going on here, so that's absolutely fine, but. I feel like the most fondly remembered team in, in in sort of football computer game history has been a bunch of players who didn't exist, which was the Pro Evolution Soccer Master League team. And you can reel these names off. They just roll off the tongue, Dan. Your Ivarovs, your Valenies, your Stramers, oh, yeah. your Iugas. But what strikes me is, as no matter how attached you, you may have become to these players who didn't exist in real life... Uh, but they are really strange names. They they seem like really weird approximations of, of people who could be footballers. I feel like they could have been they could have been a little bit more realistic. But I'd, I'm not really sure what nation, for example, Iuga probably hails from, or Zimeles, or Men, uh, I guess Menandra's probably Brazilian, right? Yeah, I've always viewed Menandra as Portuguese. Um, but but hmm. you're right. I mean I mean this. Like like you know, we can often talk about the many great teams of, of great eras. You know, your total football, Holland <laughs> or your Barcelona of two thousand and nine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's a special place in my heart for the default Master League Pro Evo team. There's no um, weak link in there, is there? They're, they're they're all really solid performance. None of them world beaters by any stretch. And it was just like you know they would um, they, they were just players with uh, with some sort of ridiculous um, sort of preferred positions. So someone who was a uh, a right mid, a right midfielder, but also a sweeper. Um, yes, yes. Or there was a random right wing forward, WRF, uh, which you know, you, which I must say that I, I'd be shocked if anyone ever used him. Um, but no, <laughs> those 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 guys, and I mean, uh, you know, I think there was sort of a sort of. Um, I, I don't know if you know we think of the brutal world of football and how sort of you know how uh, academy players become eventually disposable and you send them off to here, there, and everywhere. But the game the game forces you, I think, almost for the first season to play with these guys. Mm. And you know they're also limited, um, and you, but you do become so attached to them. And as eventually, as the game goes on, when you finally earn the money to buy players, you have to slowly but surely get rid of these guys. That's quite you a know, sad moment, isn't it's, it? It's like saying goodbye to a family member, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it, uh, but at one point, you know, oh, it's, oh, you know, Zimelez, you know, you may have two pace, but you know, you, you were there for me through the through the tough times, and mm. yeah, I mean, this, it, you know, the, these guys, I think. If you start, to, if you went and spoke to some football names and started listing off those names, I think a lot of people would know exactly who you mean. Mm, exactly. Um, I also want to talk about the commentary on these games because it that there's a there's, it, there's a very colourful history of, of of football video game commentary, and there's a there's an element of playfulness about it. It seems quite rare that they ever played it incredibly straight. There was there's a lot of examples of 
of slightly outlandish commentary styles from really straight-laced commentators in real life, but who have, who have really kind of gone to town in the game. Uh, I offer you one example here, which is um, which is Martin Tyler on on a relatively recent version of FIFA, who came out with this line. Merton! Well, that's why they call him Fishy, because he loves the chips. <laughs> uh, now, Carl, do, do you suspect that... Um, it's a nice little earner for commentators doing this on the side, but do you think they probably quite enjoy this job? Yes, absolutely. I think they probably use it as a testing ground for some of their fun, experimental bits of commentary. Mm. Uh, Finding their inner Drury. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's one in uh, FIFA 13 where Tyler is... He's, you know, you play as Real Madrid and it goes on for a little bit. You know, they're the real deal or the Real Deal, as you were. (laughs) And you just there going... You would never get away with saying that on television, but because it's FIFA, you you, I have to tolerate this. <laughs> uh, Dan, and, uh, Dan do, you, yeah. do, you, do you like your your commentators to be kind of sort of arcade style? Do you do you want them to to kind of go to town, or, or would you prefer them kind of more realistic setup? Do you want them to kind of really talk like they do? I feel like Alan Smith, who is quite an underrated kind of presence on Sky in real life. His his style on on the on the FIFA games is. Is about as close to kind of natural as, as you get. He is quite a sort of smooth operator, and I feel like he he bridges that gap quite well. I do, I do, and I think that weirdly is the exact opposite of what I want from my uh, football simulator <laughs> commentator. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, um, like I, I know exactly what you mean. It sounds like a Sky Sports Super Sunday broadcast. The chit chat nature of it. I'm more akin to sort of the older Pro Evo games where. You know, you had the straight-laced commentators who just said ridiculous things. So even Peter Brackley in the early days, or yeah. your John Champion. Um, I think I'm going to speak to you about my favourite now. There's a, there's one favourite for me. So between 2008 and 2010, uh, Mark Lawrenson recorded uh, recorded commentary oh, lines for Pro Evolution Soccer. Um, <laughs> now I don't want to cast any aspersions on Lauro or his uh, commitment to the cause or anything like that, or his commentating ability. But some of the things he said are just things that I just don't think he would ever say in real life. I'll read you a couple of lines, just two or three of my favourite ones, but these are my absolute favourite ones. And Laura kind of produced these with sort of an almost sort of air of resignation and almost like he was talking (laughs) off a really weird script. Um, So here's a favourite one. He says, now, I don't teach my grand to suck eggs, but I always knew they could win this game. Uh, (laughs) Another one of mine where Laura's complete, um, complete disregard for the goalkeeping profession. So call himself a keeper. He couldn't keep bees. (laughs) <laughs> or my absolute favourite one which I just can't imagine any commentator ever saying this in real life is remind this fella don't catch my wages because he can't he's absolutely hopeless oh, I feel like these are, these all sound very authentically Loro but they've, I feel like there's something he may have floated at like a BBC production meeting they said can you just not could, could you not <laughs> and then he said well fine Fine, I'm going to go and use him on, on Pro Evo or FIFA. And I think it, I think playing those playing those games in the early era, these just sort of became almost like a bonus point. If I could make Loro say the bees the bees line, I was happy. You know, that <laughs> felt like a goal to me. So you know, nice. So so Dan's very much a Loro loyalist. Uh, Carl, what's what, what's your ultimate kind of FIFA commentary combination or Pro Evo? Which two which two voices are you going to want to hear as you're losing five nil to some random on the other side of the world? I think it was John Champion around about. Pro Evo 5, I believe. Mm. And uh, he just simply you would say, and I'll try and do the diction, because <clears throat> it was very clearly two or three sentences that were smushed together. But this is mm. when, you know, you've got, you're in possession, you've got two or three chances, you've stung the goalkeeper's hands, 
uh, and uh, you're getting there, and you just go, slowly, they are turning the screw. <laughs> in that very stilted robotic style. Uh, and I'll yeah. say that to this day. And I'll, uh, oh, right now, I'm in the press box every now, not right now, um, but I've been in press boxes and like, slowly, they are turning the screw uh, oh, nice. to describe the team's slow meandering up, up front. Was McCoy, was it McCoy still alongside him in that version? In 04, okay. I don't believe so. It was one of those, so I played three a lot i played oh four yeah. near to death because i couldn't and i couldn't afford five so i played four for two for two seasons and i don't know, got six. nothing wrong with that and, i think uh, you need yeah. to on, on on john champion as well i mean i think he he did come out with the best paribo line and this line was so good it would feature in almost <laughs> every every version um right. whenever you got you got to play a book that it could be the horrendous tackle a siding challenge down the back of their spine and he would say, this always comes back to that old argument about referees that have never played the game at this level. <laughs> like, what, what argument? What are you on about? Like, what is, what is this? I mean, it, was, was that a cultural thing? When did do that? No, that's, that's, that's perfectly authentic football chat. I think that, 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 that fits very well. That is the sort of thing that, that someone of, of that kind of status would say. I just I feel like that fits perfectly well. Um, another, uh, one, uh, another thing a listener has, has contributed, this is from Grundy. He says, the phrase, if you don't buy a ticket, you won't win the raffle, appears in every single football game commentary ever made, yet has never been said in actual football commentary. And I no. think he's right. Um, there's this Surely kind of, there's, No, just I feel like sometimes the script, if we set aside the kind of playful side of it, which is which is tolerable, just about, the rest of it is... is, is genuinely trying to kind of approximate football commentary and sometimes it just doesn't quite hit the target and uh, phrases like that um, seem to to sum it up quite well Uh, Adam Gray also says how about this hidden gem from FIFA 97 if you put the disc in your CD player which we all did with our PlayStation discs so let's face it you got this Charms, and I'll be humming the tune all day, guaranteed. Oh yeah, the thing about putting your CD in your in a CD player that you could do that with a few games. I remember back in the day. I think it was. Uh, oh yeah, the racing racing game was the main one. It had this pumping dance track, uh, dance soundtrack with like Chemical Brothers and stuff. If you stuck it in, you could just listen to it. Well, I'm convinced it's so often the case. If you, if you isolate these songs from the context of this sort of chaotic video game, you end up with actually quite a reasonably passable soundtrack to something. Um, but this is this is very unusual. But I, I'm I'm quite keen on this just being the um, the new soundtrack to this podcast, quite frankly, because it's absolutely everything I could possibly want. Mid '90s dance and John Motson's voice. I've always been fascinated by this. I, I, in, in all sorts of computer games, I've always been I've always been obsessed with graphics. I've, I, more more so than gameplay. I, it, it got to the point where I would buy games for for their graphics and the, and the quality of of their realism rather than the actual genuinely competitiveness of the gameplay. Um, I'll read you a quote from David Goldblatt's book, The Age of Football, uh, in which he quotes a, a head of development at EA Sports who says, until FIFA is indistinguishable from football in real life and plays exactly like football, we'll always have more to do. And when that happens, asks Goldblatt, will it then be the professionals aping the pro gamers and their avatars? So we went to kind of sort of postmodern territory there, which, which then becomes the most authentic version of football. But, Carl, if I, if I take you back to, say, 
FIFA of, of the late 90s where it was very blocky and it was just very juddery and it and just, you know, very detached from the actual game of football. And you fast forward 20 years to now and and this is the best they can do. I still look at it and think it's it's still, it's still a million miles away, isn't it? And it and I feel like technology should be the point where it shouldn't be like that. Why aren't we nearer? Why aren't we closer to realism? Why why am I not watching a computer game and not being able to distinguish it from real life? Oh, big question. Uh, on a video game standpoint, pushes glasses up the bridge of my nose. Trying to replicate 11, 20, you know, 11 to 20 so-and-so people on the pitch at the same time all with independent physics and locomotion is really, really hard. Hmm. Uh, so when I was playing, when I was a video games journalist, I used to go to these EA meets before the game would come out every single year. And they tell us all about how, on one hand, they're trying to replicate football. But on the other hand, they're also trying to beat clever twerps like me who's trying to exploit cheats <laughs> so right. uh, in FIFA 15 had a massive prevalence of pacey football players um, so you'd play Borussia Dortmund and no one used Immobile up front even though Immobile at the time was a better striker because Obel was absolutely rapid um, so like, how do we compensate things like that how do we make sure Eden Hazard and Messi and Ronaldo are really really good but also someone like Nathan Dyer isn't not worth playing as uh, and that was one thing that they've been spending years trying to like figure out. Uh, mm. I think it was only until FIFA 15 where they realised that the ball could be played at shin height and footballers needed to react to that. Mm. And there's that sort of weird, utter oddness. Uh, one thing I did have is, was this morning, uh, my friend pointed out, isn't it odd that football players play FIFA in their spare time? How many <laughs> times in like and as a you know as a living? Why would you do what your job is in your spare time? That's a very good point. I can't think of any kind of other example where anybody would do that. But perhaps it sums up that there is still that kind of gap between the real thing and and its and its kind of fantasy version. Perhaps I I feel like it's too polished. They they focus so much on getting the good things right that they've ignored kind of the pinball in the penalty area or goal mouth scrambles or just you know a, a shot shanked you know wide of the post. Dan. Given this balancing act between getting it right and getting it, you know, enjoyable to play, do do you miss the kind of more sort of arcadey style of, of of the kind of older games where it was just simply kick the ball into the goal in the most stupid way possible? Do you feel like the pursuit of realism has kind of undermined how we play these games? Are they actually that fun to play anymore? Maybe not. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe not as much. I mean, there was a there was a purism in that sort of um, in those older games where you know. There were two shot powers. You had a you had a you had a power bar, but there were only two shot powers. There was a little P roller or or a power blast, um, or yeah. things like that, or just you know the pace of the game where you could zip a ball around quickly. Um, and you, you know I'm talking you sort of block with a sort of some blocky polygons, um, mm. and 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 that was sort of the thing of the game. I mean, there's been so many attempts at sort of trying to add extra realism to footballer, and I, I can imagine like trying to you know trying to create sort of the physics um, and the sort of, of the game world and how, how people and all the collisions and the, and the sort of chaos of a football match must just make it too, uh, just make it too complicated. Um, I think maybe, I mean, maybe do we, do we start putting VAR in our next, uh, in our <laughs> upcoming games? I mean, that could really sort of spice things up a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. But I, I mean, for example, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Carl. But do you get incorrect refereeing decisions in FIFA now? Do, no, you do. Do, not. do referees get things wrong? You don't and get VAR. Where like, could you score a goal legally and have it chalked off for no good reason? Because I feel like these things need to be incorporated. You need to have the kind of the rough edges of football to make an authentic game, whilst also polishing the good bits up. <laughs> um. So the FIFA, it's in, our Pro Evolution Soccer Four 
had uh, you could score a goal and then be mid celebration and it'd stop and then got, yeah. it'd swing around the you know the linesman on his flag up and that's happened in a couple of games in FIFA recently. So I, I've, I recently got promoted to Div Seven, and in the last minute I conceded the goal and I was absolutely apoplectic. And then partway through I stopped and then the linesman went he was offside. I was like, Phew. Um, but the thing is, it was quite interesting. I will continuously argue with FIFA, even though FIFA will say I'm offside. This is a computer that knows where everyone is to the <laughs> millimetre. And if it says I'm offside, I'm definitely offside. But I'll be down. I'm still going to yell like at that. TV and be like, like referee. You've got to build in a margin of error for this. There, there should be incorrect um, offside decisions <laughs> in, in computer games. It, that, it seems like a no-brainer to me. If I was designing one, there should be the occasional, you know, maybe one or two percent of the time where offsides are given and they're not that that's football and then it, when you're playing it you might throw the controller at the wall but that that surely that's inspiring the same emotion in you as actual football does it's all massively unfair <laughs> and the whole world's against you dan this exactly. this you need imperfection surely you do you do and it brings me on to a point i just could remember the sort of, i think it's pro evolution soccer 2008 with the the advent of the dive button um mm. now obviously oh, right. it wasn't it wasn't actually the dive button. it wasn't actually the I th- I, even now, I don't think I could perfect it because what they did was they made it. You had to press three of the trigger buttons on your controller, which is a very awkward sort of movement that not many people would, you know, do naturally in any other game. So they made it difficult on purpose for it to be done, and they also made it difficult for you to perfect it. Um, I assume that some sort of high level, you know, competitive players somewhere know exactly how to do it and how to win penalties <laughs> and free kicks. You know, mm. how, to, how to time it exactly the right moment. Most of the time, you just get booked by your, you know, your digitized. Yeah, Luigi Kalina. Um, yeah. But that kind of thing, I mean, you know, you want more of those sort of rough edges, really, don't you? I mean, you want yeah, sort absolutely. of, uh, I, I don't know. When, when is a when is a football game going to bring a cat on the pitch? That's what I want. <laughs> Which then That's goes viral on Twitter for about six exactly. hours before all and those accounts maybe, get abandoned. And, yeah, yeah. and I want, you know, yep. I want, uh, I want a, uh, a mini game where you play as the cat and you have to avoid stewards, you know, fat, <laughs> you know. You know, overweight men who can't can't catch you, you know, and things like that, and you know, trying trying to get right. the, uh, well, you know, or a yeah. street, or, you know, football when, stewards, when, when, two thousand and twenty. When are we going to have? You know, we always, as, as sort of as the media, and you see it on sort of whatever game you're watching on TV. You know, you tut and the cameras don't put your uh, don't put attention on. But when are they going to uh, announce? You know, football streaker twenty twenty. Um, <laughs> you know, just, just think about that concept. What modes, you know, would you, what modes sort of could you have at the start? We, we, we presume you'd be able to design your own streaker at the start. You would, and you then, would. And I mean, I'm sure there must be certain bits of uh, what, it would have to be pixelated out. Or, what yeah. message would you daub? Or you know, yeah. and when you when you sit up to hard to hard difficulties, have you got more sort of athletic stewards? Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, you know that kind of thing. Are the uh, you know do you have thirty Usain Bolts chasing you? Um, well, this is all very interesting. To, this, this this leads us very tidily into into the kind of closing discussion I wanted to have, which is, despite the fact we've had Chris Kamara's street soccer, despite the fact we've had Ali McCoy's director of football, and what seems to be about 408,000 different managing simulations, there does seem to be a few kind of areas of, of football that, that seem seem viable for, for, for a computer game of some sort, but haven't had one. So we asked our listeners for some games that don't exist, but probably ought to. Um at least three people suggested there should be a referee-based computer game. Dave Bushell says, might sound lame, but I always wanted a game where you could play as the ref. M.A. Kersley says, if Goose Simulator and Farming Simulator could be a thing, so should Referee Simulator. <laughs> and Yuvan Titre says, 
it's a suggestion for a really dull football-based game, but FIFA, but you are the ref. You have to train, you have to run around all match, make decisions, refer things to VAR, and send people off. It would culminate in you refereeing the World Cup final and then retiring in the Middle East. That sounds quite good. I would play that. Um, would this would this be a good franchise, Carl? Can you see this taking off? Mike Dean on the front cover? Oh, absolutely. You can imagine absolutely. Mike Dean's world referee or something like that. He'd do absolutely. it. He'd definitely Why do it. not? He'd do the motion capture as well. He'd love doing that. <laughs> I guess you no. I guess you'd probably he probably he wouldn't do the motion capture. He'd be his name on the front, but you'd have to get a really sort of mid-ranking referee, like one of the I don't know, one of the Madleys, something like that, to <laughs> to kind of do the motion capture. Don't say what you're about to say. And then um, moving on, uh, Ross Quinn says football club scout. You just watch a set of games, and then you have to pick out the best players, but you are judged on their future. How about that? Ooh. That sounds. I mean, that sounds really dull, obviously. But uh, I'm amazed <laughs> someone hasn't had a go at it. <laughs> it does sound shit, doesn't it? Sorry, Ross Quinn. What are you thinking of? It's just going to be like a very boring early stage of a, of your football manager. It's basically June and July in your football manager season, isn't it? You could run that. It's essentially Tamagotchi, isn't it? You, you basically pick a player and then see how they flourish. That that you could just have it on a key ring. It would be fine. Oh um, yeah. I, I will I will leave you both um, with with this scenario from from Matt Eddy and again I'm perhaps this this is a viable option. He says I'm very surprised there wasn't some sort of football hooligan game, especially after the success of Green Street. Oh wow! It could be like a scrolling platformer, sort of I don't know Streets of Rage or something like that. Oh yeah, I mean I think it's there's so much multiplayer potential as well, isn't it? I mean there's been so many yeah. movie tie-ins over the over the years that that's you know I'm 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 surprised that I didn't get one. I really am. Well, I, I think of what I what I'd like to suggest. I'd like to see more tie-ins for other sort of cultural things. So one thing I've got to mention is uh, earlier on is there is a I found out recently that with the Nike advert, the mission where oh, yeah. the iconic sort of um, '90s footballers led by Louis Van Gaal for some reason. Break into sort of a, a ma- they break into a mansion to, to well these sort of a Nike ball. There's the marketing has That's been right. stolen by some sort yeah. of robot ninjas. Yeah, um, and you it's sort rounded. of have like, well, exactly, yeah. And you have, well, there you go. And you have sort of um, you know Lillian Turam, uh, Thierry Henry, and Edgar Davids. Um, Edgar Davids's glasses have a sort of special mode where he can see laser beams to sort of a triple triple arms. Um, all to sort of rescue this ball. And there was actually a PlayStation 1 game of that. Um, so I'd like, to, I'd like to see more sort of, you know, video game tie-ins to sort of football cultural sort of moments. Not necessarily adverts, but for example, I've just really thought how much I'd love um, to play a video game where it's Michael Owen's Dubai helicopter tour. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Michael Owen's soccer skills where you have to, you, have to, um, you can be the goalkeeper, the, the 13-year-old goalkeeper. That would be brilliant. That, that should definitely be made. I, I would really take a consultancy should. role on that for sure. Uh, oh, I'm very excited about that idea. Um, Carl, um, I put to you a scenario perhaps of, um, would you play a game entitled Football Journalist where you have to just go through the um, the really mundane admin of, of being a football writer on, on the beat? Would oh, you yeah. play that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd, it'd be a bit you. like players going and playing FIFA after trading. Would, uh, after you get home from a Southampton home game in, in 2021 would you then fire up a football journalist on your pc and play that absolutely learning xga and going mm, is this the correct counts. xga for the player choose your player rating oh you've been be called rubbish a word counts wouldn't you absolutely terrible <laughs> you've been called a something on twitter how do you respond <laughs> <laughs> that's genuinely quite good um by which i mean rubbish so that's game over um thanks very much for joining me both of you i really appreciate it and i hope you enjoyed yourself thanks absolutely very much. thank you 
cheers all we'll see everyone next week